Grace, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Amen. Our sermon text for this morning comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 32 to 45. Have you ever played the game, Would You Rather? It's a rather fun and simple game to play, and it's because it has very simple and easy to follow rules. You are given two options, option A and option B, and you are asked, which one would you rather do? And it's assumed that there is no option C where you can go, neither, I choose neither of them. Uh, You have to choose one of them, and you would have to do it. And that's how the game is played. It's just those two options, and you choose which one you think is best. And it helps you, especially with amongst friends or new people you've never met, to learn a little more about them, about how their mind works and how they reason out which one they would choose. So let's, let me give you a couple examples so you have an idea of how this game is played. Would you rather sing every song you heard, or would you rather dance to every song you ever heard? And another one, would you rather have a permanent splinter in your hand that no matter how hard you work to get it out, it always was there? Or would you rather have a permanent bad haircut so no matter what you did with it, your hair would always look bad? That's sort of how the game is played. Neither option is really great for either of those, but some may say, well, I'd choose this one over that one for this reason. And that's how you learn about people in the way that they would think. And so now that we know how to play the game, let's play. Would you rather be the slave to all or not? Seems like a rather simple question, isn't it? Uh, Of course we're going to choose option B. Who would want to be the slave of everyone in the world? That anyone who comes up to you on the street and told you to do something, you had to obey them. Who would want something like that? Well... Jesus agrees with us. Yes, the answer is rather simple, but the option B is not the right answer. Option A is the correct one. To be the slave of all. How can Jesus say something like that? How can Jesus expect us to do something like that? Well, to answer that question, let's look at What happened with the disciples when they were confronted with this question? And we start off by looking directly at James and John, although we see later on that the disciples were thinking the exact same thing that James and John were. But James and John were the ones who went up to Jesus and said, Lord, give us anything we ask for. Amazing. Isn't it already the disciples are showing their faith in Jesus? Not too long before this, Jesus had told them, anything you ask for in my name will be given to you. And now they are actually acting this out. They are asking Jesus, hey, can you give us anything we ask for? And this is clear that that's what they're doing here because Jesus doesn't yell at them or say, no, um, well, it'll depend on what your request is, or no, I'm kind of focused on that coming suffering I just got done talking about, so if you could hold off on all requests until I'm done with that. No, he simply says, what do you want? 
He wants to know what their request is. He doesn't care what it is. He just wants to know from them. And what do they ask for? It says, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. They wanted seats of power, seats of authority in Christ's earthly kingdom. You see, they had this idea that Jesus was here to be an earthly king, and it wasn't just them or the rest of the disciples. It was pretty much everyone at that time. You see, people had a misconception about what this Messiah was going to be. Well, some thought there were two possible messiahs, with one being an earthly king and one being a suffering messiah. They tended all to focus more on that earthly king. They wanted to do away with all these Gentile, unbelieving nations that were ruling over them and be restored to the kingdom they had under King David. And that's what they expected their Messiah to be, and that's what James and John expected Jesus to be. And they had full faith that Jesus was the Messiah. They just had the wrong idea about it. Despite, though, the fact that Jesus had told them again and again, that wasn't the case. If you look in the book of Matthew, the section where Jesus talks about his suffering that we had at the beginning, the title in the NIV is, The Third Time Jesus Talks About His Suffering. So three times Jesus has told his disciples, yeah, I'm going to suffer and die, and yet they still are expecting him to be an earthly king, a victorious king. So you'd expect Jesus would be furious that these disciples aren't getting it into their heads what he was here to do. But that's not at all how Jesus reacts. Instead, he simply says to them, you don't know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Jesus is trying to remind them of what he just got done saying to them. He, he just said, And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And he's asking the disciples, Hey, if you really want those positions, you're going to have to do exactly what I am going to have to do. Are you willing to do that? And when we look at James and John's response, it's amazing. Yes, Lord, we can. We can do that. We can do all that suffering. Because they were still expecting that earthly kingdom, and they were like, yes, we can help you with this. They were still missing Jesus' point. How frustrating that must be for Jesus. But he still doesn't yell at them, or he doesn't even abandon his disciples right then and there, or even send James and John off and just continue with the other ten. No, he continues to try and teach them, to show them what he is going to be doing. And he tells them that, yes, this is going to happen to them, that they will have to suffer for his name. And that they would have to go through this just as he will have to go through this. But that these positions are not for them. And that's when the rest of the disciples join the story. They are indignant with 
James and John. They are furious that James and John would ask these, this question. And it's not because they're like, how dare you ask this? Don't you know Jesus is going to save us from our sins and not be an earthly king? Didn't you get that? No, they were more angry that they didn't think to ask Jesus about this before James and John. They're upset that James and John beat them to what they wanted. And Jesus notices this. And it's important to point out here that Jesus isn't mad at his disciples. He isn't upset that they want to go up on these earthly powers. It's not wrong to desire a promotion or anything. It's as long as you remember what we are here to do. And that's what Jesus points out to them and tries to bring them back to earth. He says to them, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. You see, this is what they wanted. They wanted to be lords over everyone. Because that seat at the right and left hand of the king, well, those were the two people who had the ears of their kings, who could give advice and recommend people for positions. They had power in and of themselves because they were at the right and left hand. And these positions brought its own authority and awe from the people. They were, would just be in awe that these people sat at the king's table. And all these disciples wanted that same thing. And Jesus points out that, hey, you want me to take over the, take, uh, kick out the Gentiles so that you can be rulers over Israel with me? Well, how are you any different than those Gentiles? But Jesus also says, you are different than those Gentiles. He says, well, yes, they do think that, but this is not what's going on here. He knows what the real problem is that the disciples are having. This battle between their sinful nature and this new self that wants to follow Jesus. And he says, and he points this out to them by saying, it is not so with you. This is not the way it is with you. I know you are struggling with this contrast between what I am here to do and what you want me to do. And you're having trouble figuring that out. But this is not how it is with you. And so he gives the disciples a roadmap on how to follow him in the way that they want to. And how we want to as well. He says, Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. That's all it takes. It's just being the slave of all to follow Jesus. But that's a really hard thing to do, isn't it? We saw that the disciples were struggling with it. They wanted that earthly power because they had that misunderstanding about what the Messiah was here to do. But what about us? We know Jesus didn't come here to be an earthly king. We know that he came to save us from our sins and that by having faith in him, we receive the forgiveness of sins. And so we know everything that Jesus is trying to point out to his disciples, that, hey, I'm here to save you from your sins, and because of that joy, you should follow me. But where are we when Jesus asks us, can you drink 
the cup I am going to drink. Are we with James and John who enthusiastically say, we can, we can do that? Or do we coward and hide and stay away from that suffering because we don't want that. We want things to be good here on earth and still have that stuff in heaven. And that's where our sinful nature is pulling with our new man. That's where our fight is. And what Jesus is trying to help us see. That we, like the disciples, want things to be good here on earth. Not necessarily high positions of power and authority, but we'd rather avoid all that suffering. We'd rather that everyone else served us. And that's where that struggle keeps us in, whole, in, our whole, in its hold. He wants, our sinful nature wants us to go this way, but our new man is trying to pull us in the other way. And Jesus, knowing that this struggle was in with the disciples and with us, did something about that. He was our perfect substitute. So Jesus knew all about the suffering he was going to face how he was going to be mocked, how he's going to be spit on, how he's going to be flogged. He knew the pain that was going to come with his crucifixion. But notice he never said, may do this, he may do that. Rather, this will happen. And at the very end, he says, this is the reason I came. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is why Jesus came to this earth, to willingly give up his life. And we see that Jesus too struggled with this wanting one thing, but following God's will. In the Garden of Gethsemane, not your, my will, but your will be done. His earthly body didn't want to deal with all that suffering, but Jesus willingly gave up that desire of wanting that suffering to go away and instead followed God's will perfectly in our place. And because of that, he gives that life to us. And now no longer do we have to worry about that sinful nature pulling us to the one side of wanting to be lords of all, getting things from people, but rather we want to serve everyone. To show the love of Christ that Christ has shown to us. And that joy goes even beyond just Jesus suffering and dying for our place, in our place. But it's also the promise he gives to us about when we do die. Because we will drink that cup of suffering along with Jesus, though it may not be what he went through or what the disciples eventually would go through. It may just be sickness and disease. It may be struggles at work, struggles in the home. But we go through our sufferings, but Jesus promises us something at the end. At the very end of his suffering, he says three days later, he will rise. Christ rose on the last day. Having gone through all his suffering, he rose again. And when we drink that cup of suffering, though it's bitter at the beginning, it has a sweet finish. We know that Christ will raise us from the dead and we will be with him forever in heaven. And we keep that in mind as we serve those around us. And would you rather is a really fun game 
And it's interesting to learn about what people think would be the better option between two really bad options. And Jesus has given us the same sort of question. Would we rather be slaves to all or not? And though it's hard to choose that first option, though we know it is the right one, Jesus makes it easy for us. He has done it all for us. And He has promised that He will raise us from the dead. So now that option A looks all so beautiful to us. And we willingly serve those around us just as Christ served us. And we live in that peace knowing that God has forgiven us our sins and that He keeps us on the road to eternal life through Jesus. Amen. May now this peace of God which transcends all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.